Hey guys, how's it going? John Chandler from Forever Contender here coming at you with instant reaction on UFC 273, which just wrapped up in Jacksonville, Florida. We'll get right to it, the headliner, and still, the UFC featherweight champion of the world, Alexander Volkanovsky. He is victorious. He defeats the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung by fourth round TKO. Uh, Curb Dean stops the fight 45 seconds into the fourth round mercifully, thankfully. Uh, it was a dominant performance. It was one-sided. It was never even close, quite frankly, from you know start to finish. Volkanovski landed strike after strike. The Korean zombie took a ton of damage in this fight, way more than he probably should have, like I said. Um, you know, Alexander is one of the good guys of the sport, you know, super gracious after the fight. He even admitted that he didn't want to inflict any, any more damage on the, on the zombie. Um, he is so understatedly good, Volkanovski. It's not even funny. Uh, is he... The best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the sport. It's a tough argument to make, obviously, with Kamar Usman and what he's doing. Um, but Volkanovski, there's no doubt he has a case. Uh, he's won, what, you know, 19, 20 fights in a row now. He's never lost in the UFC. He's undefeated in the UFC. He's completely cleaned out the, the featherweight division at this point. Um, you know, he, He's not even really losing a round during fights at this point, which is what all the greats kind of do. So... You know, obviously he's made his case, um, and he's definitely up there, and he's definitely in the conversation. Um, you know, as far as the fight went, again, just completely one-sided. Volkanovski took all three rounds easily. Uh, nearly finished. You know, the Korean Zombie in the third. Uh, they took a hard look in between rounds, and Herb Dean asked for the doctor to come in. Uh, if I was in Zombie's corner, and I know he's the Korean Zombie, I know it's a title opportunity. I know it's you know that huge moment. I'd consider thrown into town in that situation just because the accumulated damage was, was a little bit much at that point he had no chance in that fight barring a miracle barring a you know a knockout a you know a crazy stoppage like happened against the Yair Rodriguez um but it just didn't seem like he had a chance in that fight Volkanovski was you know had him you know countered at every turn uh to be honest with you he it looked like he almost expected what was coming uh he was you know beating the zombie to every single punch. It was, it was crazy to watch. Um, I got serious Deku Kim vibes from that fight. And, and I say this not just because the zombies from South Korea as well. Um, if you don't know who Deku Kim is, look him up. It's a, it's a whole other podcast if I started talking about it. Um, but it was just, again, uncomfortable to watch at, that at, at times. Uh, kudos to Herb Dean for being one of the best in the business. Uh, if we're going with his gut and stepping in there, I think he wanted to stop it in between the third and fourth rounds, and I think if he did, you know, I certainly wouldn't have blamed him. I think he would have caused some heat from, you know, Zombie's corner, but you know, that was probably just a safe face at that point because, you know, he clearly didn't want to go out there. I don't think his corner wanted him to go out there. It just, you know, the doctor asked him if he wanted to continue, and you know, again, he's the Korean Zombie. Of course, he said yes. So. As far as what's next for Volkanovski, I agree with Paul Felder's assessment on the broadcast. Um, whatever Volkanovski wants to do, to be honest, uh, he's kind of deserved it at this point. Like I said, completely cleaned out the featherweight division. Um, I hope that he wants Max Holloway again. I think that the fans want it to be Max again. I think that the UFC wants Max you know, to be the guy that Volkanovski wants from a financial perspective, from a business standpoint. I think it should be Max. Um, I know that they mentioned uh, Arnold Allen on the broadcast as, you know, an option. Um, certainly deserving. I mean, he's won, what, nine fights in a row now in the UFC. Um, 
you know, the only problem with that is his his highest profile win would be his most recent one against Dan Hooker. Um, because Dan Hooker is reeling right now, and he's lost what three fights in a row, I wouldn't necessarily consider him uh, someone to be, you know, getting a title shot over at. You know, we're just looking at his record that would just make you know Gilbert Melendez his next best win. Uh, what you know, three years ago now. Um, so again, I think it should be Max. I hope it's Max, um, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, Co-main event. I would hate, 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 hate to be a judge. Uh, what a close fight. Aljamain Sterling and Peter Jan. Uh, Aljamain Sterling ends up defending, uh, I guess, you know, combining, so would you say, uh, the you know the actual championship, the interim championship. He wins a split decision over Peter Jan. Uh, scores were 48-47 across the board. You know, two judges had it 48-47 in favor of Sterling. The other judge had it in favor of you know, for Jan, 48-47. Um, I scored the fight a draw. My scorecard was 47-47. I'll explain that. I wouldn't argue with a winner either way, which is why I you know, definitely can't argue with Strong as the winner. There are a lot of people. Strong seemed like it in the crowd, obviously. Seems like it on social media from what I've seen so far that definitely thought Jan is the winner. Thought that Jan did more damage. Thought that Jan controlled the fight. I don't agree with the control portion, but... You know, I can't argue with that either because it was so close. I scored it a draw. Let me explain why. Uh, first round, the, the toughest round to score in my book. I gave it to Jan 10 9 only because he stuffed Sterling's takedown take times, excuse me, and he was also a little more active. It's, um, I'll say this it's hard to give Sterling a round when he's continually on his bike like that because even though he was being very evasive, he was clearly giving Jan fits because he was missing. When he's normally one of the more accurate fighters with the strikes, it's hard to score it, um, you know, for Aljamain. And there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, Aljamain won the first three rounds, and that's how he won the fight. I, that's not necessarily true. I think the only way you can really score it for for Aljamain to win the fight is if you score round two, 10-8. And I did. And here's why: <clears throat> he controlled that round completely from start to finish. He had Jan in a body triangle for almost the entire round fighting off rear naked choke attempts. And you can debate how deep the choke attempts were and how long they were in, but it was a couple of them. It was multiple. Um, you know, it was a different type of control than what Jan had Sterling at at times, which is just basically holding him in position, scoring points, trying to steal the round, which is basically what he did in the fourth. We'll get to that. Um, you know, in the second round, Sterling had Jan in a bi-triangle for almost the entire round fighting off chokes. Uh, it, that would be essentially be the equivalent of being mounted for a whole round, in my opinion, which anybody who is, you know, on the receiving end of full mount certainly wouldn't be given a round, certainly wouldn't be, you know, awarded a round. Um, he was also, you know, defending chokes. So anytime you're in a submission, to me, if that, if the entire round consists of nothing but submission times, if the entire round takes place on the ground, those submission times, you know, should work or at least be scored as the equivalent of, you know, punches that, you know, stun a person who hurt them, you know, not necessarily could be, you know, certainly dropped them if it was a, a, a choke attempt that you know, was close to finishing the fight. But basically it was the equivalent of being hurt multiple times standing and just being in danger throughout the fight because Sterling had him in a body triangle, which, you know, has been something that's finished people out before. Joe Rogan mentioned on the broadcast that Ivan Salvari did it in 2004 to Tony Fricklin. Uh, Joe Rogan also said that 2004 
Uh, it was back in the, back in the day. I would hope not. Jesus Christ, uh, it was only twenty years ago. But anyway, um, going back to the fight again. I scored round two ten eight. That's why I scored a ten eight. I hope that makes sense. I know others did, so it kind of makes me feel a little better because I know that ten eights aren't awarded out, you know, very often. In this case, I think it was. I think it was deserving just because of you know how dominant the round was. Um, obviously, it took place on the ground. Is not necessarily what people are used to seeing out of a ten eight round, which is typically somebody getting drafts multiple times, or you know somebody just getting pounded on for you know five straight minutes. Um, but you know, in this case, you know, in a, in a fight that's, or in a round, excuse me, that, you know, where grappling takes place, you know, per, for the, primarily the entire round, I think it needs to be scored that way. Um, otherwise, you know, how else would you score it? You know, 10-9 Sterling, uh, it's a little unfair considering how much trouble he had Jan in throughout the round. Um, round three, another close round, <clears throat> similar to round one, uh, except they gave it to Sterling based on the takedown that he landed, he... Uh, flipped Jan and took his back again, and again, had him in trouble again, fighting off choke attempts. Jan did a good job getting back to his feet and kind of controlled the uh, the rest of the round in terms of, you know, moving forward and kind of keeping Sterling on his back foot. Uh, I gave it to Sterling, though, just because based on the fact that that was, you know, the only moment that either fighter had, you know, one in trouble in the round. Um, so I gave it to Sterling 10-9. Uh, rounds four and five, I gave them both to Jan. 10-9, uh, and it's for the same reason. Uh, he stopped takedowns. He pushed the pace. He was the fighter coming forward, which is similar to how the first round went. So now when you're scoring it, you can say, well, you know, you just told me that, you know, Jan won the first round. Uh, Jan won the fourth round. Jan won the fifth round. That's three rounds to two. Jan should have won, should have won the fight. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But Again, I scored the round 10-8, which is how we got to the 47-47 draw conclusion. Um, this is kind of an example of why, <clears throat> excuse me, the 10-9 the must system is not necessarily the best scoring system for MMA. Because if you look at the fight as a whole, you know what I mean? How exactly would you, would you judge it? Would you, taking the 10-9 must system out, out of it and looking at it sort of at pride rules, for example, uh, you know, their fights, <clears throat> the way their fights took place where it would be one 10-minute round, uh, or a regular fight, one 10-minute round, and then one, you know, five-minute round, the second round. Um, and the fights were judged as a whole, completely. Um, so, you know, this way, it, you kind of have to take into consideration the big moments in the bout. You know, obviously, it was clear for, you know, for three rounds out of the, out of the five, Jan was in control. Jan won. Jan, you know, didn't you know, score more points, did more damage. Uh, you know, was more aggressive. Was moving forward. Had Sterling on defense. But you know, in round two, it was also the you know the biggest move in the fight, the closest that a one of the fighters had the other fighter. Uh, you know, close to possibly losing the fight. Um, so yeah, that that's that's how I scored it. I hope it explains it. Um, again, another example why the must system is not the best scoring system. I don't know. I don't, I don't foresee it being changed anytime soon. Um, you know, but I do think that this is kind of another example of, of why it needs to change at some point in the future. Um, I doubt that the UFC revisits this one again. Only because Sterling has technically won 
what, two in a row now in this series. He won the first one via DQ and now this fight. Um, it's not to say that Jan isn't the clear, you know, number one contender, second best bantamweight in the world, but it's not like, uh, you know, a series like Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Marino, uh, where the fights are just, you know, so close to call and either fighter could have clearly won. Uh, either fighter could have clearly won this one, but both fights have been so unsatisfying to watch, really, um, in the endings. Obviously, they left a lot more to be desired. I don't think that the, the UFC is going to go back to this one. Um, reason why they showed DJ Dillisrael on the broadcast, uh, probably reason why you know Aljamain Sterling was so quick to point him out. I think it's a, a fight that makes sense next. Um, you know, it's another contrast in styles, which will be a fun fight to watch, um, even though Dillisrael comes from a wrestling background. Uh, so that's going to make it an interesting fight because obviously he's going to want to keep that standing. But I think he's a little more equipped to deal with Algernon Sterling than Peter Yan was uh, in the grappling department. Um, Kamzat Jemayev and Gilbert Burns. Pardon my French. What a fucking war. What a fight. Uh, definitely one of the top 10 best fights I've ever, I've ever seen, I would say. Uh, the absolute fight of the year number one leading candidate for 2022 so far. Um, again, we wondered coming in, was Kamzat Shemaev for real? Was the hype for real? Uh, you know, probably the most hyped prospect we've ever seen in MMA in terms of, you know, the collective consensus of fighters, people that have trained with him, people that have faced him, the eye tests, the hype, the UFC's marketing machine, all that stuff combined. Uh, probably the most hyped prospect you know, that's ever come along in MMA. Um, and he answered the question. Obviously, he faced the toughest test of his, of his career, and it showed, but he passed the test. Uh, and he is for real. Kamzat Chemaev defeating Gilbert Burns via unanimous decision. Scores of 29-28 across the board. Um, again, hell of a fight. First round, uh, I was going to give it to Gilbert Burns, who had a very, very hot start was catching Kamzat Shemaev with shots, uh, you know, surprising him, I think, with his movement, his lateral movement, and you know, the fact that he was willing to mix it up with kicks and, and shots to the body. Um, I was going to give Gilbert the first round until Kamzat set him down with the jab. Um, you know, so got to give Kamzat the first round. Round two, I thought, went to Burns, though. Uh, he outlined Shemaev, and he kept him on the back foot for the good part of the round. Uh, but again, you know, and I did, you know, uh, in round two, we did see for the first time Shemaev hurt. We did see him sort of uh, not necessarily fading, you know, gas tank-wise because, you know, we didn't go into the championship round, so it's hard to say how much he had left because he looked so good in the third. Um, you know, but for the first time, we kind of saw Shemaev in trouble, kind of had to overcome adversity, uh, kind of saw him, you know, tired a little bit, which was, you know, for somebody who's, you know, been, been said to be unstoppable, uh, you know, unbeatable, such a force to be reckoned with coming in. It was, you know, it was crazy to see, I guess, him a human uh, for once, uh, just because he'd been so dominant in his performances inside the UFC as well, you know, finishing fights in under a minute and, you know, not getting hit and all that kind of stuff. He he got hit tonight, for sure, uh, you know, by, by Gilbert Burns, who put in a hell of a performance. Um, he, it just, he just faded away in round three. You know, it, it's tough to keep up with, a pace, with the pace that comes out sets. It's tough to keep up with, you know, the, the, the damage he's putting forth. He's, you know, 
the majority of the punches that you know Kamzat swung away with, obviously he was you know pretty steady with the jab, but they were power shots. He was swinging with you know serious power, and I think over time that just kind of wears on you. Uh, even if you're blocking the shots, you know the power just kind of wears on your body. You're getting hit in the shoulders, you're getting hit in the side, the back, the neck. Uh, it, it hurts after a while. It's tough to take, um, you know. And Kamzat took advantage of that. You know, Burns was fading, and you know Kamzat pulled away. And that's how we kind of came away with the unanimous decision. Perhaps to both guys. Again, fight of the year in 2022. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, interested to see what's what's going on next because there hasn't been a formal announcement of uh, Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards, which is the fight that's been rumored for quite a while is happening next for the World Series title. In the rumor that it's happening during International Fight Week, which is going to take place, I believe, it's July 2nd. Um, but again, I was ex- I was kind of expecting an announcement during tonight's pay-per-view. We didn't get it. Um, so I'm curious to see what is next. Dana had said earlier in the week that Colby Covington would be next for Kamzat Shemaev, uh if he were to defeat Gilbert Burns, obviously, which he did. Um, and that would be a, a heck of a fight. Uh, but there was no announcement uh, for Usman Edwards because, I, you know, I would assume that if that is truly next, you know what I mean. The the July second isn't you know isn't that far away. Obviously, they're trying to sell you know tickets for the the fight week, the expo, all the kind of events they're going to have. Um, is Kamzatchemayev going to get a title shot off of that? I I don't know. Um, you know, obviously, Leon Edwards is probably the most deserving fighter of a title shot. You know, <laughs> that has come along in quite a while. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, th- I think that, you know, going to Kamzat Colby and going to Usman Leon is, you know, the right thing to do. Uh, but I'm curious. I'm curious that we haven't heard anything yet. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Those were the boo, uh, the, excuse me, the three big fights on the card. Uh, just going over the rest of the main card, Mackenzie Dern picked up the biggest win of her career uh, over Tisha Torres. She defeats her via split decision. Scores were 29-28 across the board. Obviously, one judge had it the other way for Tisha. Uh, the highest profile win of Dern's career for sure. It almost guarantees her a, a big-time fight. Nonetheless, not the most impressive performance that uh, you know that she put in. Um, I, I think you know Torres kind of felt that she may have won the fight, and she certainly had a case. Um, but the, the, the win is huge for Dern nonetheless. Um, rounding out the main card, former Olympic wrestler Mark Madsen. He defeated again Vince Pichel by unanimous decision. Madsen, he's kind of had a slow start to his career uh, because of injuries and a staph infection, but he's still undefeated. Uh, he's 11-0 now. We're always 4-0 now in the UFC. Uh, he's not in the top 15 yet, I think, only because he's fought once per year since he debuted you know, four years ago. Uh, he might be after this fight, and I'm curious to see where he fits in the lightweight division just because of how stacked it is. Um, obviously, there may be some movement if you know Dustin Poirier moves to welterweight. Uh, if Conor McGregor ends up, you know, staying at 170 pounds, like he says, uh, we'll see what ends up with Madsen. Um, I wonder if his wrestling is going to be a problem in this division, only because it's of the higher level. Um, Habib had a lot of success. Islam Makachev had a, has had. A lot of success, and I'm, you know, expecting him to have more going forward. So it's going to be interesting to see where uh, Mark Madsen fits in that conversation. Uh, 
Going over the preliminary card, just going to point out a few you know, notable bats. Uh, much hyped Irish prospect Ian Gary. He is victorious over Darian Weeks, winning via unanimous decision. Uh, wasn't the most impressive performance by Gary, but he got the job done, which is a lot to say. Uh, you know, he was leading off the the prelims, and uh, a lot of a lot of PR behind him, a lot of interviews behind him. He was kind of everywhere during fight week and was spotlighted by the UFC quite a lot on their social media. Um, so kind of kind of impressive to see him win a fight with the spotlight so big. <clears throat> However, I think he had left a lot of, to be desired in terms of uh, the way he defeated Weeks with you know kind of lackluster, not much offense. Obviously, Weeks was kind of you know maybe a little starstruck, maybe a little you know put off by by Gary's movement. Um, is Ian Gary the new king of cringe? Uh, I'm just going to put that out there. You know the weigh-ins post-fight, man. Uh, not a fan, not a fan to be honest. And I'm not sure that many people are. Uh, I don't know if he's the next Conor McGregor, as a lot a lot of people like to say. Uh, he's certainly a good fighter. He certainly, you know, has a high ceiling. Sky's the limit for sure. Um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with him. Uh, another fight I wanted to mention: Raquel Pennington. This is going to go under the radar, but she defeats Aston Ladd by unanimous decision. Uh, scores were 29-28 across the board. That's four in a row now for Raquel Pennington. Uh, slowly but surely climbing her way back up the ladder to the point where you know is a second bantamweight title shot. You know, undeniable. If she continues to win, um, obviously, you know, we'll have to sort out the Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez situation before anything happens. Uh, but once that's resolved, you know, I mean, if, if Raquel Pennington keeps winning, I think that, you know, another shot at the title, I don't think it's out of the realm uh, of possibility, especially, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up with uh, with Holly Holm. We'll see what ends up with the rest of the, you know, the bantamweight division if anybody you know kind of goes back and forth to, to featherweight and you know that sort of thing um especially since Howie has a win over Raquel uh you know not even I guess it was a little over two years ago now um so we'll end up we'll, we'll see what happens but it's very interesting that she's you know on, on quite a roll right now uh Mike Malott <clears throat> took care of Mickey Gall pretty quick first round stoppage three minutes and 41 seconds into the first round he knocked him out uh, it was cold. He came back too, but man, an impressive performance uh, by Mike Malott and Mickey Gall. That's uh, I'm gonna look it up real fast. Yeah, it's it's two in a row for him. It's three in the last three in the last four of these drops. Um, I do wonder where the UFC is gonna go with him next. Uh, he's he's only seven and five overall. Obviously, they took him yeah in very young, only one per fight under his belt. Um, but I do wonder what's next for him, just because he hasn't looked the great the greatest in his last uh, you know. As well as a handful of fights, uh, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with Mickey Gall, whether or not you know he gets released or they give him another shot. Um, just going over the the post fight bonuses that just rolled in, uh, fight of the night comes out and burns, <laughs> no question about it. Do they get fight of the night? That would have been a riot if they did not. Uh, so they are the fight of the night. A performance of the night bonuses go to Alexander Volkanovski, no question there. He almost pitched a shutout against the Korean Zombie, uh, and then Alexei Olenek. Uh, came back from the depths of defeat once again, as he's done so many times in his career against Jared Vandera, uh, submits him with a scarfold uh, in the first round. That was also in the watch. Uh, Alexander, Alexander, excuse me, Alexei Olenek. I don't think people understand <laughs> exactly what he's doing. He's he's 44 years old, um, so people can kind of point and say, "Oh, well, you know, Randy Couture," but you know, 
Alexei Oleinik made his debut in 1996, November 10th, 1996, to be exact. Uh, that was this was his 77th pro fight tonight. Um, super, super impressive what Alexei Oleinik is going to do. <laughs> he told Joe Rogan after the fight he's going to fight for maybe five to ten more years. I, I wouldn't put it past him at this point. Uh, but just amazing to see what the boa constrictor continues to do. Um, and I'm glad that he picked up a victory tonight. That was going to be three, three straight losses, four straight, excuse me, four straight losses uh, for him. He had struggled that as, as of late. He picks up his first win since May of 2020. Um, awesome to see Alexei Lenick back uh, on the winning track. And that's going to pretty much do it uh, for this recap of UFC 273. I'll be back uh, later this this week and weekend with some post-fight notes, a full recap of the events. So stay tuned on Forever Contender. Uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you again for reading. I appreciate all your guys' support. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care.